Welcome to FinTech Fridays. Oh yeah! A weekly podcast brought to you by the National Crowdfunding and FinTech Association of Canada and Partners. Covering all things FinTech, blockchain, P2P, AI, and alternative finance. Hey everybody, Mansi Kwan here, and you are tuning in to Fintech Fridays, brought to you by the NCFA, Canada's leading fintech and crowdfunding association. Hey, you know what? Welcome back. You're tuning to season two of the podcast. Um, I highly recommend listening to last year's season one. We got 19 amazing episodes. So I hope you're having a really great new year. Hope your resolutions are doing good. Um, I'm killing mine so far. Um, I don't mean to humble brag, but you know, I'm just, just saying. Okay. So today... To kick off season two of the podcast, um, I got the CEO of Lend, Mauricio. Yes. Thanks so much for sitting down with me today. This is uh, this has been a pleasure. You actually were kind enough to actually record out of your office uh, in beautiful downtown Toronto. So this means this means the world. Thanks so much. No problem. Thank you guys so much for having us. Uh, just a small uh, a correction: the CEO officially is my co-founder Adam. So I, uh, I call myself President and, and CSO, but it okay. works. It works because you know we're basically uh, equally you know, involved. So it's been uh, it's been a real great. Okay. Hey, no, no problem. Journey. The CSO. Exactly. There we go. Okay. Exactly. Um, but no, really appreciate you guys having us on. Love the work that you guys are doing on the podcast and, and uh, you know, shining the light on, on Toronto startups and, and getting the word out. So uh, look forward to this episode. We've been uh, been excited to record it. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm super excited to just uh, jump right in. So for a brief second as the CSO of Lund, uh, could you just give us a little bit more of essentially who you are and a little bit more of what the company is and does yeah so i'll tell you a little bit about myself first uh, because it, it does tie up to or tie into how uh, or why we uh, started Lenin. so i'm originally from a small town called barquisimeto it's about four hours southeast of caracas in venezuela and uh, that's where i grew up uh, you know it's a really great experience to you know have an upbringing in venezuela uh, and right around high school time when i was approaching high school a new president entered called hugo chavez and at the time, people that kind of, you know, had a, a suspicion of what this could lead to were already thinking or setting their sights outside of the country and thinking of potentially moving out. So uh, I was encouraged by my family and, and I really wanted to go out and study abroad myself. So I came to Canada and did my university here. I went to the uh, Richard Ivey Business School at Western, which is where I met Adam. Um, and uh, we stayed in touch back and forth after university. I worked in Canada for a few years. And then I went back to Venezuela for a few years to work with my father on a couple of projects. And uh, during that time, uh, you know, with Chavez in power, I basically you know, witnessed this entire dismantling of the economy. And uh, it wasn't until Chavez passed away uh, when an oil started dropping in price, right. where the entire system just started collapsing on its own. Right. And so, you know, banking basically became w- useless. Uh, it was very, very difficult to transact or do anything. Um, people were not wanting to hold bolivares, but converting out of them any way they could to, for flour, sugar, right. dollars. Uh, and so once the system, the financial system breaks, uh, people start getting trapped. Um, in Venezuela, holding dollars is illegal. So even if you wanted to emigrate and you couldn't afford a ticket, you could be riding your bus down to Colombia and you get pulled over. National Guard takes away all your dollars and you get to Colombia and you have nothing. Um, and so 
around 2015, as this was happening, kind of simultaneously, I discovered Bitcoin through my younger brother, actually, right. who was using it to mine. Huh. And uh, the second I basically started peeling the layers and I'm like, okay, well, this isn't just a computer game. This is actually a censorship resistant currency. And there's a tremendous potential to build an entire financial system around this new asset. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, I, when I started getting really excited about what we could build on it. And then, uh, you know, talking to Adam, because obviously we couldn't really fund a company there or grow something out of Venezuela. We knew the problem. We knew the use case, but we needed to basically have, have, it, have a world-class platform to launch right. this company out of. Uh, and so we both have really strong networks in Toronto, and uh, we knew, you know, the, the workings of the financial system well. And so we said, okay, let's try to start this with the, a basic most useful product, which is Bitcoin-backed loans, essentially. Nobody at the time was treating Bitcoin as an asset worthy of being posted as collateral. And so we saw that as a mistake because there was a sufficiently liquid market for Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Uh, Despite the volatility, really, the the biggest risk is really just realizing your counterparty in the trade. So uh, we created a, call it a a setup or a system whereby we could ensure investors that they weren't going to lose money. And that's when we raised the seed round on the on the premise that we were going to start with our first product, Bitcoin backed loans. And so Ledin is a play on HODL, which is the, the the first idea is to make holding Bitcoin easier, right? We you know our investors, businesses, everybody uh, inevitably faces the point in time where they might get into a liquidity need, mm-hmm. and they have to face the decision: Do I sell my Bitcoin or do I hold it? And you know over. The long run, that has proven to be a bad decision to, to sell it and rebuy it, depending, right? Like you can try to time the market. Of course. But uh, all that to be said, or all that being said, it, it, you know, we want to help people not be put in a corner. If you need liquidity, you can post your Bitcoin collateral, use the liquidity you need, pay it back and get your Bitcoin back. No okay. transaction fees. That's incredible. Like I'm glad a service out there is actually there and that's going to be helping just give crypto, if not Bitcoin, but any other like alternative coins later on in the future, just a little bit more credibility and viability in the actual market, hopefully. Right. So just for the audience, could you just explain a little bit more on Bitcoin back and crypto back loans? Just like, like, could I pay my mortgage off this thing? Could I pay my car? Like, just could you give us like, a, I guess, more of a real life example of somebody using a Bitcoin backed or a crypto backed loan? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'll give you a few use cases. Uh, and, and some of the uh, newer or call it more creative use cases is we're, we're very, very excited about. Right. Um, the first use case that I would say is, you, you know, you're a Bitcoin investor. You, you've held Bitcoin from, you know, call it earlier on. So you've, you're sitting on a potential capital tax gain. Um, so let's just say you bought Bitcoin when it was $1,000, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sitting today at, uh, you know, call it five and change. Uh, and, you know, you wrote it all the way up, you wrote it all the way down, you didn't sell it, but you're still sitting on a capital gain, right? Uh, you have a credit card bill that you need to pay, or you have rent that you need to pay, or you have X expense that you need to pay. And, you know, you've held Bitcoin for so long, you have a very positive long-term view on it. Right. Do you really want to sell it $5,000? So use case one is essentially, okay, I'll put my two Bitcoins for collateral. I'll take a $5,000 loan that I need because you can borrow 50% of the value of the Bitcoin and you pay down the card or whatever it is that you need to pay down. And if your expectation is that Bitcoin is going to have a good year and potentially have a, call it 20% rally, well, then when that rally does happen, you can choose to pay down your loan. And you can also choose to pay down your loan with the collateral itself. So you can choose, we can convert the collateral for you to pay right. it down. So essentially, the idea is here that you could be paying down, 
the loan with potentially your profits, right? Mm. If you have a if you have a long enough view and it, things play out the way you think. Right. So we have a long-term positive view on the price of Bitcoin. So we believe that we are helping our clients by not making them sell it. So this is a pretty much great way for crypto to work for you, right? This is like investing one-on-one, make your money work for you. But in this case, make your crypto work for you, right? Yeah, in essence. I mean, you, you have to be responsible with leverage. Um, you don't want to be... Um, you know, entering into you know things that perhaps are going to throw away your financial plan. Um, but that being said, I think leverage is an amazing tool in that it allows you, when you see a good enough opportunity, to take advantage of it without uh, you know selling, the, sacrificing the asset itself, um, right? So, right. Um, just the same reason people get into a cash need, they don't run and sell their home, right? They'll try to get a home equity line of credit. Of course. Uh, so it's a similar idea. You, you're holding this you know great long-term asset. And you don't want to sacrifice it to meet a short-term need. But what are some of the challenges facing getting into Ethereum and, I guess, like Dogecoin for, I guess, for lack of a better example? The thought process that we go, that we take an asset through to decide whether or not yeah, we're going to work with it as far as collateral uh, really comes down to risk management, mm-hmm. right? Um, there are people had concerns uh, at the very early days. People would say, oh, what about the price of Bitcoin is so volatile? Right. Oh, what about... Uh, you know, how do you handle the, the really fast drops in price, right? And so we can mitigate those by A, setting up partnerships with the exchanges mm-hmm. that work in our jurisdiction, uh, wh- whose liquidities have actually been improving. The Canadian exchange liquidity has actually been getting deeper um, as, far, as far as the daily traded volume. So that's one way, like we have partnerships and we monitor the order books of all our exchanges just to make sure that we can realize the trades and, and what that would look like as far as slippage. So the real you know, crux of what we're trying to solve is just to ensure that A, we're going to be able to sell the Bitcoin if we need to, when we need to, and that the counterparty that is buying that Bitcoin is, you know, has a low risk of default. Right. Uh, and so with Bitcoin, we feel very, very confident that, that we can process those two things because the, it is the deepest liquidity pool. It is the, call it, you know, uh, uh, safe haven uh, asset within the uh, digital asset space. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin was the only one um, that we were comfortable with working with at the beginning. Um, now, obviously, things have changed in the past, you know, call it seven months in the yeah. crypto markets. There's been uh, quite a bit of a, of a journey. But I think uh, as the dust is beginning to settle, um, there are risks to us as a company to start, uh, you know, considering uh, an asset like Ethereum its risk profile has improved, uh, in our view, just because uh, it held through a really substantial drop. There, it, it is still liquidly tra- very liquid. It just trades really well. Very much. Um, so, yeah. Toronto, in particular, in Canada, has um, called it a above average uh, participation rate and I guess fan base uh, as far as Ethereum because it is a Toronto-based project. So, and I do think that is something you know important and, and something that. Uh, that made a big difference. So uh, the challenge really is to ensure that we would be able to process the trade and to that we're confident and I guess sufficiently confident with the capacity of the counterparty uh, realizing the trade. So that's something that we are like actively working into, and right. uh, you know we should expect hopefully uh, something out of us for Ethereum soon. Can't wait for you guys to start uh, issuing out uh, Ethereum back loans and just um, just just slowly getting into like more of like the alternative 
market because it's again it just proof of concept of like hey like this is this works you can pay off your credit card mortgage house or what have you with these kind of loans if you're just sitting on it right making right. your crypto work for you more or less what are the challenges going internationally because you definitely have an interest of getting to venezuela as soon as possible and then slowly start branching out to other countries yeah uh, that's a great question really you know most jurisdictions are welcoming of liquidity Right. If you are a company and you are bringing in uh, funds that are going to be lent out to a community, and that community is going to put that money to work, to create, you know, to improve, expand their business, to build a bigger home, to do something else, that actually spurs economic activity. Mm-hmm. So the concern most jurisdictions have when you're a company that's coming in to provide liquidity is around consumer protection, right? They just want to make sure that you're not coming in and hosing their their clients are exploiting the rules or the or the niceness of the of the receiving jurisdiction so um, one of the biggest reasons and and one of the things we love very very much about being a Canadian company mm-hmm. is that as a Canadian company we are held to the high some of the highest standards in the world as far as banking regulations go it was by design so like we knew that it was going to be a long process uh, and we that, that was really what we dove head first into because we knew that once we could get things done and, and fully compliant and, and everything on the exact right side of the law in Canada then that A we would have an easier time doing this in a different jurisdiction and B we would be better received by these jurisdictions because we're coming from a from a, from a more a of a place credible country is, yeah, yeah exactly 100%. so it's a place that acts guess rightfully or correctly yeah. um, and so that is a lot that you know that helps when people are getting the story and like where is this company who are these people where are they what's the story um, so Really, the, the main concern when you're entering a new country is uh, you know, the consumer protection in, their, uh, in the jurisdictions. And again, those are more geared towards protecting them from very aggressive lenders. Right. Uh, there's been some news around about payday lending and what that can mm-hmm. do to a community. So that's really the intent of those rules. We actually have the entirely opposite call it goal than payday lenders. Like we, our goal is to bring institutional price debt at North American rates to places that never had access to this debt to begin with. And the reason was they never had an asset to collateralize yeah. that nobody up here felt comfortable enough lending against. But now there's this internationally liquid asset. And it's this, you know, your, my witness one on Bitcoin is the same as your Canadian Bitcoin. So why do I get a different interest rate? So there's this big opportunity right now to standardize, call it the collateral that's getting posted, right. and benefit from rates that other countries can issue uh-huh. that you couldn't get in your local jurisdiction so that's that's hey that's yeah that's incredible that's you, you, you did make a really good point why like my canadian bitcoin and your venezuelan bitcoin exact same thing so it kind of makes sense that like you're uh, taking loans out against that so you, you did briefly touch on credit right so when you think of loans i guess to st- stick with the banking terms that we've kept um for continuity's sake how does the digitization of savings and credit look like to you guys that is that is a really great question. So, you know, the natural thought process when you're creating a financial services company is, you know, how do we help people reach their financial goals better? What is in our what, what is kind of like the the suite of products that we could offer uh, that you know uh, holders or, or people or investors that make their lives easier? Mm-hmm. So, if you look at call it a traditional banking suite, 
you know, yes, you have credit, you have loans that you can take out to, you know, build a home. You have, you can take out a loan to buy a house. Um, you have credit cards, so like more flexible credit products. You have savings accounts, which is somewhere you can put your money to, to park it when you're not, when you don't have a direct use for it and earn a yield on it. So um, those would be, you know, obviously there's other things. There's investment accounts and more, call it sophisticated tools, but like the, call it plain vanilla tools would be your long-term credit, your asset-backed credit, your recurring short-term credit, like your credit card unsecured, mm -hmm. and then you have your savings products, right? right. So uh, with Len, our first product was Bitcoin-backed loans. So we want to be able to let people that hold Bitcoin and need dollars get them without having to sell it. So that was the natural first product for us to offer and also we, we had been in the situation many times I had run mining businesses in the past and, and other Bitcoin businesses where we constantly faced this whole you have to sell to meet your and then you went to buy it again and that just created a bad a terrible experience because yeah, you were buying it again at a higher price and so right. as this was happening you, you became very real that this was needed yeah. so our first product was hey let's get people liquidity without making them sacrifice their Bitcoin that was a very uh, it, we had a great reception and people you know love the product today the the very next product is we said okay well same way you go to a mortgage to get or bank to get pre-approved for a mortgage yeah. before you go buy a home mm -hmm. right if you are looking to buy a home cash then you're looking at you know and you're sitting on hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars then you say okay well I can only afford a home that's a hundred thousand dollars right if you or someone else has the expectation that the house value is stable enough and it's going to go up in price, mm -hmm. they may come in and say, hey, why don't I get you 50? So that way you can, or I get you another 100 so you can get a $200,000 home, right? And that's what the bank does when they pre-approve it for a mortgage. So you, you don't go buy a home with your cash balance. You go to the bank, you say, here's what I can get for a down deposit. What is the most you can get me? And then you use that total amount to go buy like, the home of your dreams, right? right. Yeah, quite so, uh, the next product that we're working on is we want to basically, instead of giving you the loan right after you own the Bitcoin, we want to basically provide credit for you to buy the Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So if you are a person that has $100 and you want to make a Bitcoin investment, but you feel very bullish in where the price is today, right. and you wish you could invest more, mm -hmm. you can come to Len and Len will say, hey, guess you know what? You had, a, you had $100, we'll approve you an additional 100 so that you can buy a $200 position and you take a loan with us for that additional yeah. 100. So you lock up your $200 worth of Bitcoin in our vault and when it goes up or down and when you want to unwind your position, you can basically close it pay down and get your Bitcoin back. Mm -hmm. So this idea of buy 2x credit is something that we're very, very excited um, to, to basically, and we're actively uh, exploring and working on. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it is something that we feel is going to add you know, value right. to Bitcoin investors. Uh, and then the additional piece on that is, or the last piece on that is, okay, well now you have your uh, Bitcoin back loans, now mm -hmm. you have your buy to x credit, mm -hmm. I have my Bitcoin, I wanna put it somewhere where it can generate a return for me. Where do I go, right? So we do realize there's a big need in the market for that, right? Uh, it, it takes infrastructure mm -hmm. to realize a return on a deposit at a reasonable level of risk because of you have to put that underlying asset to work. Mm -hmm. So that's the mechanics and that's another process that we're working through right now. Right. Uh, but we will get there yeah. because we understand that this is a very needed product. Mm -hmm. And so that is really the, call it three-prong Approach, approach of how you digitize, if you would, traditional banking services today, mm -hmm. and you bring them to you know the, this digital 
asset realm that we're working on now. So speaking of savings and your three-pronged approach of digitizing assets and credit and what have you, I can definitely see you guys partnering up with either a challenger bank or even maybe even morphing into a challenger bank. Um, is, is, that, is that something that we can expect from Lend, that you guys would be possibly either going with a challenger bank or even considering becoming one? Um, that, that's a very good question. Uh, a banking relationships are very important for our business, being a financial services company. Uh, we have very good relationships with banks in Canada. Um, that's largely a part of our AML and our KYC processes. We are fully compliant. Um, we have a, a, a person in charge of it, and the team has been, from its genesis, built on the idea that we had to be fully compliant from the beginning. So... Uh, as far as our banking relationships today, they, they have been really great. You know, we've been very pleased with how everybody's treated us so far. Uh, is it in our roadmap right now to become or morph into a challenger bank? I, I don't think it's in the immediate goals, but I, I won't discard that as potentially something that we will look into in the future mm -hmm. as we grow into more of a, a bigger financial services company and, and more and more clients start demanding different types of products and services. So. Uh, to the extent that there will be a benefit or value to the client in merging the two experiences, mm -hmm. then yes, that we know we're definitely something that we can consider. Uh, right now, our real focus is to create a full suite of services around these digital assets because uh, I think the really big impact uh, that you know crypto and Bitcoin are having is just a liberating impact around uh, tyrannical and authoritarian regimes around the world that are essentially, uh, you know, their banking system is hijacked from them, can't save, they can't borrow, mm -hmm. uh, they can't even buy a, a censorship resistance, or they can't buy dollars. Bitcoin is, is becoming more and more an option to all of these people. There's over yeah. 4 billion people living in, in authoritarian regimes in the world today. And so, the you know, more so than the dollar signs, um, I, I think the most what excites me the most about these services and this technology is that it materially changes the life of people, of smart people in these countries mm -hmm. to be able to earn a bounty reward in Bitcoin and have no one come and take it from you and save so that you can buy a ticket to go to New York one day or do something else. Like it, it actually, be, you become a member of the world economy. Right. Where before you were sequestered from it by your local currency. Right. So um, I do think that this has the potential to snowball into this massive opportunity for 4 billion people to now have access to banking service, traditional banking right. services. Uh, it's a long road to get there. Uh, and education is a very, very big piece of that because uh, from, from Venezuela, I can say that Although we have a large number of people that are in this situation, um, and sometimes a lot, some of them have a phone, but a lot, sometimes having a phone and being in the situation is not enough, right? Yeah, like, well, yeah. it, it takes a, it takes education, it takes time to to let people know that this is the right way. The volatility in pricing hasn't helped. I'll, I'll, no, I'll say that uh, you know very upfront because you talk to people in Venezuela about Bitcoin and. Yeah, sure, it's, it's better off than the Bolivar. So a lot of them are still happy that they have it. Other Bolivares, would they prefer that it had stayed steady and maybe not gone up to 20 and come Absolutely. back down? Everyone would. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So um, there is a bit of a, you know, 
learning curve that mm-hmm. people have to go through. They have to understand that you know it, it's it's also in its early stages, so it's not going to be everything we want it to be at once. Yeah, but yeah, just to tie it back to you know, I think the biggest impact is the where I think where this can have the biggest impact is including or incorporating new members that are perhaps not in Canada yeah. uh, rather than you know, creating a, a bigger bank or a better experience for Canadian clients, which is something that's definitely we want to do. Mm-hmm. But I think our big focus right now is to build this product suite around digital assets and make them available to people that are not available to it today. Of course, to help later better like the world economy like you've mentioned before, right? Yeah. So I'm going to throw this to you, okay? Aside from saving the world... <laughs> What else are you very much excited about in the crypto fintech space in 2019? Um, crypto fintech in 2019. Uh, let's see. Um, you know, I think there's there's some uh, really good work uh, being done by the um, uh, Human Rights Foundation, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they're really shining the light on the libertarian aspects of Bitcoin and how this is benefiting the people outside of North America or in tyrannical regimes. Uh, I'm excited for some of the noise to get out of the industry. I'm excited to see the good projects, uh, you know, find their footing and start making, they've all been making great progress, but it's just the price has been a tamper that hasn't really... uh, um, people haven't really seen past the price moves no. and, and to, to kind of peel the layers and see what companies like us are doing behind the scenes, getting ready for this cycle to you know turn again. Mm-hmm. So I'm just excited to see the cycle turn, right? I, I do feel, you know, again, this is not financial advice and by no means is, is this what, what, I, what I think is going to happen. But right. I, I have a feeling that 2019 is going to be a year where we finish the bottoming process and we start, you know, when we turn the corner to, to a, a, call it a new... Uh, a new uh, wave, wave, yeah. okay. like yeah. a new wave of, of of price moves, and and I think I don't I don't expect them to be astronomical. In fact, I almost don't want them to be. I would right. like them to be you know, slow and steady. But uh, so long as the corner has been turned and we stop dropping, people's mindsets start turning with it, mm-hmm. and so that's going to be exciting just to see people wake up and go, "Hey, I guess Bitcoin didn't die." Uh, but, yeah, let, let's see what happens. It, it wasn't right? a fad. It wasn't a hype. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, 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 I'm excited about that. I'm yeah. excited about the resurgence, call it. excited to see that in 2019 that uh, Bitcoin and, and just crypto in general are going to just start to, I guess, osmosis out of the actual like bubble and then start going into a little bit more of having a real life scenarios instead of just to the niche thousand that really know about it right right and having like i mean again like being able to take out a loan against the crypto that i currently have in my wallet that i'm not using right that i can pay off my credit card that's fantastic i can pay off my house that's amazing right right and then sooner or later like some way down the line i can actually buy a house with the assets i bought 15 20 years ago right i'm super excited for what you guys are going to do and i'm just excited to just the journey ahead for you guys so Mauricio, the best way to contact you, do we email you, do we Snapchat you, do I tweet you? Like, what would be the best way to either get contact with you and the CEO, Adam? Yeah, I mean, we, you can reach us out. We're very active on Twitter. My, my Twitter handle is Cryptonomista. 
Oh, I like that. Um, nice. So you can you can Google that, or no, you can search it. You can search my name on Google, Mauricio Ledin. You, you probably hit it. It's, I won't bother taking you through my spelling of my last name. <laughs> um, so if you can, if you just want to Google Ledin Inc. or Mauricio Ledin Inc. Um, Edin.io is their official website, so you can always contact us through there. Um, I'm actually on the chat on on the website, so you can go in and just literally write me Talk a to direct right message. There. Yeah, yeah uh, that's awesome. So uh, yeah, the website is a great way. Twitter uh, Hoddle with Lennon is our Twitter handle, uh, and you can always email us at loans at Lennon.io. Um, so yeah, that's uh, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'd love to talk to anybody that you know has any questions or even insights uh, or comments. Uh, you know, I'm very open to that. Yeah, hey, I can't I can't wait to uh, wait for the feedback from this episode. So, uh, on the behalf of the NCFA Canada's leading fintech and crowdfunding association, I wish you an amazing fintech Friday and weekend. You've been listening to Fintech Fridays, brought to you by NCFA and Partners. Tune in weekly for the latest Fintech Friday podcast by subscribing to this channel. The National Crowdfunding and Fintech Association of Canada is a nonprofit actively engaged with social and investment fintech sectors around the globe and provides education, research, industry stewardship, services, and networking opportunities to thousands of members and subscribers. For more information, please visit ncfacanada.org.